Welcome to the Changing Construction podcast brought to you by Mail Manager, the Outlook add-in created by Arup to help businesses get control of their email. Uh, thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Slightly different take, actually. We've got Tom um, Arbuthnot uh, joining us from Modality Systems to um, build on some recent content which we've done on the topic of Microsoft Teams adoption and really trying to help businesses um, get the most out of their Office 365 investment and a tool which they're um, using today. So um, yeah, looking forward to getting into the episode. So in terms of our speaker for, for today, uh, it's Tom Arbuthnot, who, uh, well, Tom, it's probably better if you kind of introduce uh, who you are and, and what you do for uh, those attending today. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah, so I, I work for a company called Modality Systems uh, and focus mostly personally on Microsoft Teams. Uh, we do the whole Microsoft 365 modern workplace stack. So lots of experience deploying what was OCS, Link, Skype, and now in more recent years, Teams anywhere from a few thousand seats to hundreds of thousands of seats at the high end. Thanks, Tom. And uh, for those of there'll be many on here uh, who this may be your first um, kind of time attending a webinar from Mail Manager, um, thank you obviously for coming on. If, if this isn't your first one, then hopefully you'll see a theme of um, us delivering some really actionable and useful content. Um, and it's great to see so many people register. I think we've got 300 attending today. So it's really clear that Microsoft Teams is something we're either or whether we're, whether we're enjoying it, struggling with it, or wherever we are on that kind of um, spectrum, it's become a really fundamental part of our working lives now. So uh, the agenda for today is to, um, Tom's going to take us through his thoughts, I suppose, really on helping you understand what is Microsoft Teams for your organization. I think, obviously, that, that we've, lots of us have probably seen that change, um, you know, since we've since we, we've all started working from home uh, towards the end of March in the in the UK. Anyway, we're then going to talk through, I suppose, the two different audiences in terms of the uh, challenges which Microsoft Teams presents from an end user's perspective, as well as from an IT operational um, kind of uh, director's uh, perspective and then finally we're going to end with some actionable steps you can take right now the kind of link to um, the link the mail managers link into that is to talk about the role email plays with Microsoft Teams uh, which we'll come on to but Tom's also got some really really helpful insights and advice for you know anyone whether you're in an end user camp and you're just trying to get more out of Teams and trying to become more productive uh, kind of get an advantage that way or if you're an IT team and are thinking well how can we kind of get the most out of our out, out of our investment in um, in Office 365. In terms of, I suppose, just briefly to set the scene a little bit, we did a webinar on Teams in, um, in I think it was April, May time, and saw obviously a, a massive, um, you know, uh, interest in people just trying to learn a bit more about how to use it beyond just a kind of conference meeting meetings um, facility. And I think actually we've all probably been a, a little bit surprised by a how much we're using it but b kind of what we're actually using it for i know i spoke to lots of it directors and lots of it managers who before teams was introduced i think it was kind of seen as as a silver bullet to all of our information management queries and challenges in the past and it was going to get rid of email you know potentially completely but i think what we're actually seeing is there's a new normal when it comes to uh, communication and we're using teams for some types of communication 
communication and we're using email for other types of communication, but we're probably seeing an increase in both of those things. So I, I, I can definitely speak for myself in saying I'm receiving more Teams messages than ever was, as well as more emails than ever was, probably more WhatsApps and that kind of thing as well. So um, we'll talk through today, I suppose, how to get some sort of uh, order to, um, to, to, the, to the chaos, because I think for some people and for lots of people, it can be really kind of a little bit, over, little bit kind of overwhelming um, when you're living in Teams all day, uh, when it comes to getting notifications about absolutely everything. I think we've probably all, uh, Tom and I were discussing off air, uh, the, the consequences of kind of overscheduling, and we probably all feel like if we're not on a Teams call, you know, that's a little, that's a little bit of a strange, strange feeling. So we're going to talk through today, I suppose, the common pitfalls and mistakes people kind of can fall into and traps people can fall into uh, when it comes to um, I suppose just falling into bad habits in terms of using Microsoft Teams. But then importantly, um, what's your kind of team strategy in terms of getting the best usage and the best adoption and the best value out of it, which uh, which Tom can Tom Tom can take us through. Excuse me. Um, uh, just one bit of housekeeping. There's a Q and A feature through. Um, through the uh, Zoom window. Uh, it's probably better to put through, put your questions through the chat one though. So just to check all of that's working, I'm gonna put a message into the chat window and put, hi everyone. And if you can respond just by saying, hi everyone. If you put your questions into there, as we go through the webinar, that'd be much appreciated. If it's a real quick one, which we can just easily easily answer in kind of 30 seconds, we'll, we'll answer that as we go through. Um, but for the majority of questions, we'll pick, we'll pick them off to answer at the end. So um, Tom, uh, over, over to you. Great, thanks. Yeah, as Jacob said, um, we'd love to hear your questions. Just, just fire them in as we go. We, we might pepper a couple in, but we've got some time at the end for questions. So uh, I, I think to level set, and uh, this is the, probably the most important question is, what is Microsoft Teams for your organization? So by now, you will have heard the pitch. I mean, Microsoft, are really banging the drum for Teams. The, the, the daily active user numbers are through the roof. Microsoft talk about Teams as this hub for teamwork. So it's chat, it's calls, it's meetings, but it also has integration with other Office 365 apps, things like Planner and SharePoint. It can extend to third-party apps, business processes, and obviously you've got the Microsoft 365 enterprise security and compliance. And that's a real differentiator against other collaborative platforms is there's so much investment in Microsoft in security, identity, compliance. Um, it's a really strong feature. But I mean, that that's kind of a bit, pitchy really you can think about teams as, as five kind of major features so collaborative workspaces where you come together work out loud you have channels with chat content you might have tabs with apps in there you may have bots in there you'll have files in there so a space to work together on a project or a common goal you've got online meetings which is obviously the thing that everybody is familiar with particularly now in, in lockdown times around the world joining, having desktop sharing, having screen sharing, having video, that kind of thing. You've got private chat. Um, so two or more people having a kind of informal chat, uh, kind of a la um, Apple messaging, iMessaging or WhatsApp, that kind of thing, but in a secure corporate way. Obviously voice and video direct calling. And finally, it can be a legit phone system with a phone number, with physical IP phones or headsets. So those are all features and they're all options. Your organization doesn't have to do all of them. Uh, and indeed, you may be somewhere on a journey where you started with needing online meetings at scale because everybody suddenly was remote working. Private chat, it tends to get adopted by default. 
you may be trying to be more collaborative. That's a common goal for many of the organizations I'm working with is being more collaborative. Um, and maybe uh, you're looking at decomming an old phone system and, and adopting Teams. So you, you have to think carefully about what is Teams for your organization and how does that influence how you advise, train, coach your users on how they can get the most out of Teams. So when you're answering this question, it, it's, it's normally going to be more than just, hey, welcome to Teams. You can do calls, meetings, and collaboration in here. You want to be saying to your organization, and uh, maybe it's the whole org, or maybe it's parts of the organization, we're deploying Teams because our goal is to have more engaging meetings, or it's to collaborate closer together. And collaboration, we'll talk about a lot in this webinar, that's the point of teams where you can have the greatest power to have a positive influence for people have them working out loud have them working together but it's also the biggest cultural change so people are super used to email they're super used to attaching files um, they're less used to all working out loud like i just share my drafts with my team uh, my boss and my subordinates and everybody can see my powerpoint and they can all comment on it in real time that, that can be quite a cultural shift for lots of organizations. Um, and, and some of the questions that, that come up are, how is that sharing managed? So things like public teams and private teams. Uh, what data is appropriate to be in teams? What data isn't appropriate to be in teams? How do I manage and wrap up that data at the end of a project? Who's responsible for third parties like external guests coming into teams? So these are subjects we'll touch on in this webinar. So, First off, we're going to look at end user challenges and how you can avoid them. I've picked out some typical end user challenges that come up time and time again. There's, there's probably more than this, but these are some top ones and, and my recommendations around them. Then we'll flip over to some more if you're the service owner or the IT team or an IT manager, how you can do some system wide things that will help you. So first off, uh, when to use private chat and when to use team or channel chat. This is really, really common. People, if you don't guide them, they tend to fall towards private chat because it's a very understood paradigm. If you've got iMessage or WhatsApp or Signal or any of those type of applications, you're used to a group chat. So that, that tends to be a common paradigm people get. General rule of thumb is when you're using something that you want to stick around for, for a longer period of time. It's related to a project. Other people could gain value from the history of that communications. Then you're probably looking more towards having a team, which brings a group of people together in a dedicated workspace. Uh, they can also bring files into that workspace. They can also bring apps into that workspace. So anytime it's more of a project, it's probably more geared towards team or channel messaging. And if it's ad hoc conversation, it might not go anywhere. Here's an idea I want to share with three or four people. That's probably private chat. Um, there's no easy way to migrate a private chat conversation to a channel chat or vice versa. Um, but something we often empower users to do is say, it's okay to be the person that says, hey, this private chat really relates to a project. We should go and have the conversation over here. Or hey, this is private chat's been going for two weeks. This is a this is a project now. We should move into a project. So be sure to coach your users a little bit about the use cases there. Another super common one is when you create a new team, uh, there's two options. It can either be public or private. And users often get confused about what these things mean. So public doesn't mean anyone outside your organization. It means public within your organization. 
I'm not in love with the phraseology there because public sounds like on the internet, um, but really public is just anybody in your org can join at any time. And private is the owner of the team admits people into the team. So it's a gated closed office, if you like, and you have to knock to be approved to come into the project room, that kind of thing. General rule of thumb is private teams for anything that's uh, should be a limited audience is controlled data, any customer data, any sensitive data. You don't want anybody to just join or leave that team if it has that data. Um, public is really suitable to things that are non-sensitive. So like a, a hobbies group, a sports team, a socializing area, or just, just things that are relevant to everybody in the organization that there's no sensitivity to. A, a challenge we often see is lots and lots of public teams with customer, client, confidential data in. General rules of thumb, things like HIPAA and ISO would say minimum viable access to that data. So, so a general thing to look out for is it should be private if in doubt and public by exception. Uh, Jacob touched on this one really early on. And yeah, I think from a user training point of view, this is one of the most important is teams can generate a lot of notifications. Uh, you get notified if uh, a channel is mentioned that you're a member of. You get notified if you get personally at mentioned. So if someone puts an at sign in your name, you'll get notifications for private messages. You'll get obviously notifications for calls, uh, missed calls, and it, it can get pretty uh, noisy without taming it down. Fortunately, there's lots of tuning you can do. So you can tune your notifications at a global level. So for example, um, I have lots of my notifications to uh, banner and feed, but I don't want a toast message and I don't want an email. I'm in Teams all day, every day. I don't need Teams to email me to tell me there's a message in Teams. So, so I would tune mine down there. But you can also tune your alerts down at the individual team and chat level. So you can mute specific chats and you can go into Teams and you can say, I don't want to be alerted on this channel or this team as well. So it's worth training your users to have a little bit of time to understand, oh, I can turn a lot of this stuff off, particularly if you're trying to get teams to be a de facto place to work from. If you're going to be in it every day anyway, there's this really great activity feed that tells you what's going on. You can filter by mentions, you can filter by unread, you can filter by reply. So this activity feed is almost like your inbox in an email world. This is a great place to start and say, hey, where have I been mentioned recently? What do I need to catch up on? That kind of thing. Uh, so really worth spending some time on helping people understand how they can tune notifications. And uh, this one came up as one of the hot topics um, in the, the mail merge kind of customer base communities, when to use Teams and when to use SharePoint. Now, it's a funny question because Teams relies on SharePoint. All the file collaboration in Teams is actually based on SharePoint. If you're sharing files in private chat on Teams, that's OneDrive. OneDrive is effectively SharePoint. But what this question usually means is, when should I use a SharePoint website, an intranet, a project site, and when should I use a team? And Microsoft are very big on Teams at the moment. So whatever your question is, their answer is Teams. Um, and I like Teams, so I would lean that way as well. But there are really good use cases for a SharePoint site that isn't a team. So for example, if you're sharing lots of static reference content, there's no need to have collaborative chat around it. The content is not changing. That's a SharePoint site. That's not a team. If you're uh, maybe having a, a project that in no way relates to Teams, 
like it's just file editing for whatever reason they're not going to use a team there may be a sharepoint collaboration site is better but our general rule of thumb would be if you're collaborating if you're working together it's teams if it's static content or it's your intranet or it's your your employee handbook that's not a teams thing that's a sharepoint thing uh, interested if anybody's got any questions around that or any edge cases because that does come up a lot but just know that when you create a team, you get a SharePoint site as part of that team. So if you want things like a SharePoint list or you want to do fancy things around file storage, you're getting all of that within Teams whenever you create a team. Uh, oh yeah, this is a good note. Coming soon, uh, there is gonna be a SharePoint app in Teams that will bring your SharePoint internet directly into Teams. So this screenshot is of, of file sharing, but you'll be able to bring in the actual intranet site into Teams as an app. So you don't even have to leave Teams for SharePoint. Uh, that's a whistle-stop tour of some user advice. Uh, I just wanted to land on the user side. Teams adoption doesn't just happen. You need a program. You need people who are dedicated to training, looking at the, the adoption metrics to understand, are people using collaboration? Are people using video calling? Um, and your adoption needs a management program around it to help people get the most out of teams so so people will also adopt meetings for sure because the meeting turns up in your diary you have to click it people will pretty much auto adopt chat because they're used to needing to chat to people but if you want people to get the most out of collaboration working together projects apps you certainly need a bit of user adoption training Okay, so, so that's some tips for the user side. Now, I know some of the audience are more on the IT management, IT operations side. So here's some considerations for operations that really heavily impact how users experience and perceive and get the value out of Teams. So we're gonna go through uh, controlling creation, guests, app management, and the whole team lifecycle. So, this is probably number one question for lots of customers going into Teams is, uh, oh my goodness, we're going to have a million teams. Everybody's going to create a team. It's going to be really sprawly. We need to lock it down. We need people to fill in forms about why they want teams and what they're going to do with it. Um, and it's a classic IT response, like the command and control, carefully manage resources. Um, it, it's, it's not super applicable for the modern way of working. I would say that there, there are use cases to lock down teams, particularly if you have very sensitive data. Um, but generally speaking, if you're controlling creation of teams and you're not uh, enabling users to get their work done, they will maybe flip to other tools. So you have shadow IT problems. They will use private chat in place of a team because they can spin up a private chat instantly. And we see this in the user stats. If, if team creation is locked down, you end up with private chats with like 50 people in, with files in, editing like it should be a team. Um, Microsoft don't make it easy to disable team creation. If you disable team creation, you're disabling group creation. So you mean you're disabling group creation for Yammer, for SharePoint, for Planner, for anything on Office 365. There are some third-party tools and we have one, there are others that can manage the creation process, have two-step approval, have certain people allowed to create teams and not other people. So there are ways around this. Um, but my general preference would be let users create teams, but then manage the creation process and we'll talk on. So let them create it, do what they want to do, 
when it gets created, then you can go to them and say, hey, these are our best practices. Uh, this should be public. This should be private rather than public. Your naming convention is not quite right here. That tends to help with adoption more than just closing the door, pu pushing them to a ServiceNow form and saying, hey, fill in these 20 fields to get a team, that kind of thing. Another one that comes up that is a top conversation is guests and guest access. So guests, external people can absolutely come into Teams. Um, and if you're enabled for guests at the Active Directory level and you're enabled for guests at the Teams level, so there's two levels of, of authorization there, then by default, any owner of a team can just add somebody with an, a, an Office 365 or a live identity and, and add them to the team. It can be disabled by a team by team based sensitivity labels, and it can be managed if you're AD premium with what are called access reviews. You as an IT org absolutely need to have a stance on this and a policy and a procedure. Um, this is letting external people into teams that have data. It's, it's often glossed over at the moment because it's such a useful feature, but there needs to be some management here, whether it's, it's the Microsoft tools again or, or third party. Um, but be aware, like enabling guest access doesn't suddenly remove your needs to consider things like ISO and GDPR and discovery and audit logs and things. So uh, think carefully about which teams have guests enabled and who's accountable and responsible for those guests. Apps is another big one. People love the ability to bring their own apps into Teams. So you can tab, obviously, the Microsoft native apps, things like Planner, um, SharePoint, but you can also bring in third-party apps. And there's a whole app store with lots of different apps in. Things like Trello are super popular. Uh, be aware that just bringing those apps into Teams doesn't mean they're automatically in line with the compliance policies of your organization. So it's almost like using an app on the internet. Uh, so think carefully about which apps you're approving your users to use. And there's a weird dynamic here around, they could obviously go and open up a browser and potentially load any app up, but then they're going off to do that themselves out of band. But if you present the app as available in Teams, are IT blessing that app as being approved? Lots of users will, will take the stance of, they gave me Teams, Teams had Trello in, so therefore I can use Trello. Um, if that's not the case for your org for compliance or security or whatever other reason you just want people to use the native experience, um, you can turn on or off apps at the uh, org-wide level, and you can turn on or off individual apps at the uh, user level. So something people that are more sensitive to this area might do is turn off lots of third-party apps at the org level and then selectively enable them at the user level. So if there's a person with a use case for app one or app two or app three, um, then they can use it. Or if you're a bit more um, open, you can enable all the apps, but then audit which apps are being used and coach users as to actually, we're not sure about this app or that app, we're going to block it for these reasons. Um, two different approaches, but again, just, just have an approach. And uh, probably the, the most important one is team or group, because teams are groups, lifecycle and data management. So teams get created. There are owners of those teams. There's data in those teams. You need to consider what's the lifecycle of that information, both the chat, because the chat is data, but also the files that end up in that team. Is there a requirement for you to legally retain some of that data? Is there a requirement for you to legally delete some of that data after a certain amount of time? Um, if you're working with customer or client information, 
how do you deal with discovery if they do an information request, that kind of thing. Um, in the box, there's lots of good options. So Office 365 Groups has an expiry policy where it will automatically email owners to say, hey, this team hasn't been used in X time, you need to renew it or it gets deleted. Um, I mentioned earlier the, the access reviews to manage guest access and membership. The Office 365 audit log is a bit of a beast, but it has pretty much every event in Office 365. So creation, deletion, membership changes, things like that. So there is the ability to audit all those events. Biggest thing is considering end of life. It's easy to create teams. It's very hard to get owners to take accountability for the project is finished. Where does this data go? Does it get deleted? Does it get archived? And the default human behavior thing is to want to leave everything hanging around just in case. So as an IT org, you need to combat that, not just because of a security and compliance reason, but also if you have hundreds and hundreds of teams and they're all unused, the user experience gets not very good because there's a dozen teams about projects that are already closed. And again, it will drive people back to, I'll just create an ad hoc private chat. I won't use a team because who knows which team I'm supposed to use. Uh, so, so there are some tips on the uh, IT kind of admin side, a little plug for something my company does. So we have a product called Teamwork Analytics, and that is pulling all the data out of Microsoft Graph about Teams and setting up automation triggers around it. So some of the things I talked about today, things like uh, managing guest access, knowing if people are having performance calls or meetings, um, pinging users best practice for adoption. So things like, hey, we've noticed you're joining lots of meetings, but you're not using collaboration. Please consider using collaboration. Those are all things we can automate that there's plenty in the box in terms of Microsoft. So by all means, look at that stuff first, but there are third party options out there. So that's a, a bit of a whistle stop in 20 minutes, but hopefully it gives you some value for thinking about how you can train and help your end users, and also on the IT admin system side, how you can help those users have a good experience. Um, my three takeaways for you are, first of all, you need to understand what's going on in your environment. Look at the Teams Admin Center, look at Microsoft's Call Quality Dashboard, see how Teams is being used today. Is it being used the way you think it is? Which, which departments are using it? Which people are using it? Are they just doing meetings or are they actually collaborating? Um, second thing is, you can use a lot of PowerShell commands. I've linked a really good script there to understand and audit your team's environment. So how many teams have you got? How many don't have any ownership? How many don't have any members? How many have been abandoned in terms of activity? Get a good understanding of what your current estate is. Um, and last one is understanding those guests. So most customers have guest access turned on. Most customers don't have a great handle on who the guests are, which domains are in, the, the tenant, which teams are they in, who's accountable, responsible for the activity of those guests during their, their stay at our tenants. Um, so I've linked off to one of my scripts there. You can quickly audit all the external accounts in your teams and see where they are, which domains are popular, that kind of thing. So with that, I'll uh, hand over to Jacob. Thanks. Thanks very much, Tom. Really, really helpful. I think, especially the point. I mean, you made a number of points I I haven't really considered uh, before. Uh, but I think I think so, a couple which will definitely resonate is the data retention sort of policy because I think we all kind of think of Teams as a bit like WhatsApp for work, maybe. Well, so, so some people may may, um, and I think that's uh, I think that's uh, that 
is uh, very relevant. I mean, what are the, what would you say are the sort of one or two most common questions you you get asked? But you know, the the one or two kind of real head to head scratches you get from um, people you talk to. Yeah, to be honest, that most of them don't hinge around technical questions. They're more about adoption questions. Like we're we're ingrained in these business processes. How do we help users get the most out of Teams? So on, on that is the by far the number one thing is how do we get people out of the habits that they had of old school working, not co-editing, not sharing content into a world where we're all you know happy working together out loud. It's easy to say, but culturally it's mm. quite tough to do. That's true. And do you think it's kind of made people rethink how they kind of organize their information, you know, generally, whereas it maybe before it might have been a bit more scattered about or, or less? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's pros like, like traditionally you probably had lots of orgs that, that thought they had a really managed uh, data hierarchy, like they'd have the SharePoint site and they'd have all the systems, but mm. realistically lots of stuff was on local OneDrives or file shares and, and shared through email. Um, mm. So in some ways I think it's getting better, but you could also argue Teams has made it worse because anybody can spin up a team at any time uh, and, and share files in it. So you get lots of uh, multiple versions and, and team stuff that there's, I'd say net net, there's more to manage now, not less. Okay, great. We're going to close for some questions now. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you'll agree with me that you know the content and insight Tom's provided today has been really, really interesting, really useful. It's definitely the kind of best webinar we've run on this topic uh, before. And and thanks for kind of coming at the subject from both angles, Tom, in terms of you know from an end user's perspective, trying to just get a bit more um, a bit more bit more informed about how to use teams on a day-to-day basis as well as from a, a kind of an IT leadership point of view. And there's some links there which we'll send. So if you want to look at Tom's podcast or or uh, Tom's blog, then uh, you'll receive details to that after this event. So yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again, Tom. No, no worries. Good fun. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot to get into one webinar. So we, hopefully we touched a few topics. Um, there's been some good good questions in the chat. Well, some of them are very specific, so we can always one to one afterwards. But feel free to reach out as well. Uh, email and LinkedIn are there. So I'm sure. happy to to engage with anybody. Okay, great. So I've just um, We'll take a couple of questions uh, through here. So I'm going to go into the chat feature first. So um, quick one here, Tom, I don't know if this, uh, you'll definitely um, be a lot more informed about answering some of these than I am. So how can you share a calendar on Teams? Any, any? Um... Yeah, um, so a, a team is a group and a group has a calendar. So there is a calendar. Microsoft have just started surfacing those calendars in Teams to be a bit more used by the team. If you're trying to bring in a somebody else's shared calendar, that's a little bit more nuanced in trying to get the Outlook calendar to appear. You can sort of tab it. Um, but yeah, if that person wants to talk directly about what their use case is, that'd be interesting. But the, 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 the main answer is there is a shared calendar for each group or team. Okay, great. Thanks, Tom. Um, couple got one question how can you archive project related filed emails so if they're already filed somewhere then mail manager can just point to that location on your server and then it'll start searching searching them so you don't need to refile them effectively um, most people haven't filed stuff um, so we've got some bulk filing options which allow you to file either everything in your inbox or everything in a folder in in one go which is a really quick and easy way to get stuff kind of out out of out of a silo and into an area which is um, easily searchable. 
Another question, for you, how do you ensure you're not duplicating emails if two people receive, receive the same email? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, there's a deduplication um, feature in Mail Manager, which basically means if, if the same email is filed to the same same place, it will just um, d delete the, the, the duplicate copies and leave you with one. People still have to obviously read the email. It doesn't doesn't do that until the emails until the emails filed. Uh, so there is another question here. Um, we always found the need to have important correspondence correspondence shared with the rest of the team and also file it in the project folder for any future needs would teams do that i don't know i suppose this is maybe more like tom maybe more of a question for you on maybe the sort of role and split between kind of record keeping and email and teams maybe just what was your sort of view on that yeah it comes back to that kind of top top level question how are you using teams and what teams to use so in modality we use a team as the dmark for each customer it makes it nice and easy anybody relating on the project can get to all that data and anybody who isn't related to the project it's a private team and they can't and if we ever need to present all the data from a customer or for a customer we know where it all is so that that's our model um but it depends on what your model is for the the team in question i think Another question here is I try to set up a Teams call. Person X is someone I haven't had a Teams meeting with yet. So I add their email only to see Teams isn't accepting it. And now I have to add, now I have to go through several steps to add him. Uh, I think so. Uh, what, yeah. So, so, so when you're, when you're in a meeting or in a call and you're trying to add a contact, it's, it's searching your tenant global addresses so it's searching for other people in your tenant it, it's a weird ui thing but you'd expect to be able to pump an email in there and it's say send that person an invite and that's not the way it works but if you're in a meeting and you right click on the, uh, the three dots it says um show meeting join details and you can copy paste the, the url the join details the phone number etc etc so that you share that with them either on a direct message or an email or a text or whatever um, but yeah it's, it's, it's a weird quirk where if they're not in your tenant and you haven't pre-invited them then you have to share that link for them to join into the meeting or call um archiving team so um is there i think there's a Two questions, really. One is like, how how do you archive a team? Is there an easy option to archive one? And then another one, which kind of links to, I suppose, like, should you be archive? You know, should you be archiving teams? Yeah. So, so, so Teams has a user, like a user level archive feature, where an owner can choose to archive it. So they can click the three dots by the team name and choose archive, and it kind of puts it into a a read-only state, but it's still accessible to everybody. So it's kind of a signal to users: this isn't being used anymore, but it's available for reference. Um, but I mean, that's not uh, an indefinite kind of a solution because you end up with the sprawl of lots of archive teams. So we would say if, if it's information you need around for a long time, is it reference information? Do you need to store it somewhere back to maybe that's your SharePoint use case there? If you need to keep it for compliance reasons, do you want to store it permanently in an archive rather than just having it as a Teams archive? And more often than not actually are you just avoiding the fact that there's nothing of any value in there anymore it should be deleted so it's a useful feature but you also need a procedure around eventually deleting or removing that content i wouldn't say it's a permanent archive solution great and last question which was asked right, right at the top so um i recently attended a meeting and the guest speaker indicated that teams and other similar tools uh, such as like uh, slack will replace outlook uh, in the coming years what do you what do you think <laughs> great question um i mean nothing ever replaces anything does it we've still got customers with fax machines so replace is a big statement i, I think the tide is turning towards 
collaborative chat over email um, but as Jacob said there's still lots of formal comms certainly when we work with external customers the majority is still email and we work mostly in the team space so uh, people are getting around things like cross-tenant collaboration and guest access and that's getting more and more popular five years is a long time so uh, that's a that's a reasonable horizon but until we get rid of the last fax machine, I'm not sure we're getting rid of Outlook anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think it's um, I think it's been what one of the things which we like, which has been talked about, even kind of if I go back ten years ago when I suppose your professional business Dropbox type sites came up with it with an inbuilt messaging feature. You know, if you're in the construction industry, there's kind of common data environments and project extranets which are which are used for that for that purpose. But Steve, people still obviously revert to habit and kind of go to what what. They, what they know so I think and I think that kind of shows I suppose in why teams has taken off so well internally but the you know the external um sort of use cases and isn't uh, I suppose as easy anyway yeah emails emails the common denominator and it's an open platform as well everybody can email everybody without any restriction broadly speaking apart from maybe in sort of finance and stuff so you know it's going to work it's going to work every time everybody's on the same platform um whereas teams would rely on everybody you're collaborating with mostly also using teams so i think we've got a way to go but i do think as you say jacob internally we're definitely seeing a, a, a massive downtick on internal email um, where teams is used instead um we've had four more questions coming so i'm going to take one and probably just summarize sort of two, two of them because there's, there's been three or four questions on the kind of roadmap of when things where you know where, when will x or y be be coming in so um what's your i suppose what, what do you think is the most kind of ex, what things are you most excited about in terms of a future of teams in over the next year or so yeah so, so there's some immediate stuff coming around meeting room systems making them a bit slicker and a bit more personal on the hardware side on the software side i mentioned it in the deck bringing SharePoint intranet sites into Teams as an app. So literally your intranet appears as an app in Teams, I think is going to be really slick. And a real small feature, but something I'm excited about is soon we'll be able to click the three dots on any Teams message and create a, a task in you know, Microsoft to do planner type scenarios. So um, being able to quickly get from a message to a task is something that I do a lot. Right. Well, um, thanks again, Tom. We'll be sharing your your, your details. So, and I'm I'm sure you'd be kind of happy to uh, you know uh, answer any uh, answer yeah, any questions. Yeah, I really on. appreciate everybody taking the time. Um, I'm super accessible on Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff. So feel free to reach out. And yeah, some of the questions are quite specific. So if you want to get into a a one to one around those scenarios, happy to chat. Great. Thanks, Tom, and thank you all for for joining. Uh, we look forward to um to to getting in touch.